Yeah, that's what they called me. The drunken vigilante. Sure, I always had a knack for getting my nose caught up in other people's business. Like a psychoanalyst at a nightmare convention. It's the benevolent romantic in me. Like the time I caught that fiend playing ass grab at the local 24-hour Tim Hortons. I wafted into the cafe that evening. Three sheets to the wind, and about to get sheetier. A local freebooter had his sights set on a poor deli girl. He was all hands and no reservations, like a priest at a petting zoo. Hands to yourself. Or didn't mommy teach you that? I said in a cool suavity, the alcohol bursting from every pore. Nah, she didn't have the time. Cause daddy was busy teaching me this! The thug replied, issuing me an electric jab to the thorax, tickling me beneath the breastbone. This simply would not do, so with the strength of two dried out drunks I glommed a hold and tossed the lousy prick into the cash register. I was gazing deeply into the smoky eyes of the deli girl when the fuzz rolled in. She was a tender little chicken. Type you like to take home and give a good dusting, then let marinate overnight. After a coffee and a few donuts, the cops got to work, I guess, peeling the molester off the dirty, greasy diner floor. One of the cops turned to me and said, Well, we hope you got a few good shots in on him, kid. Ah, sure. One can always sing their own praises. Especially when you only got a couple of tunes in the old music box. But get too flashy, that's when you're begging for trouble. Then you're liable to wake up. Your cock caught on the wrong side of the fence. And that's when you go first class, baby. All the way. Take the time I was stagger drunk. Closing the show out. Down on Queen Street, Toronto. It was the era of the tucked-in bootleg. Every mammal so cute. Goose stepping around in their neatly coiffed pant legs and blundstone boots. It was sickening to me, of course. I figured I'd air out my troubles by unfurling my snickerdoodle and whizzing all over an ATM machine. A statement of expressionism, as my professors would say. Oh, yes. Well... The hogs didn't take kindly to it, and they were on me like a billy club on a black booty. Stop! In the name of the law! One of them bellowed at me, midstream. I shook out the last drop, turning to face the prosecution. I'm a comedian, for heaven's sake! I pleaded, regaling them in my charismatic way. Well, there's nothing funny doing here, piss tank! One of the officers said. We're talking public urination! A mere dribble, a minor malpractice. I cajoled, the light leaving from the eyes of my accusers. Why didn't you just go around the corner? Why'd you have to do it here? Why? The flatfoot droned on. His indignation at my feral urge spread to the crowd of onlookers, the pungent stench of urine creating a vapor barrier between the forming mob and myself. <laughs> Haven't you anything better to do than trap an innocent man for pissing? I fired back, their disgust shielding me from physical repercussion, 
the countercultural bravery of the deed lost on all of them. Whatever, you gin-soaked dummy, one of the officers said. Pay this! And presented me with a $75 ticket for public urination under the penal code. The most costly splash I've yet to make. All of the excitement had left me rather peckish. So having zipped up and bid my adieus, I scampered Kitty Corner from the crime, shamefully, to get a bite of midnight street sausage. Hot dogs! Hot dogs here! Get your hot dogs! Hot dogs! Hot dogs! Much has come to pass since those drunken days of vigilantism. In each passing second, there's some deluded soul out there thirsty for their kicks like a feminist on Facebook. Ah, there's no way to dress it up. Sometimes you miss it the bright lights and bubbly of a brazen past. And instead of a hangover, you get to hang on, year after year. And before you know it, you're a model citizen. Well, it's a simple life, really. If you don't mind taxes. Then one day you get a letter in the mail. And you know you've arrived. Dear Prospective Juror, Your name was selected at random from a municipal enumeration list to be considered for inclusion in a jury role, which is a list of potential jurors. The role lists the names of citizens, residents in a jurisdiction who, if summoned, would be eligible during the ensuing year to serve as jurors. Juries play an important role in the criminal and civil trials as well as coroner's inquests. In order to prepare the role, your assistance and cooperation are required. You are required by law to fill out the enclosed questionnaire. Please read each question carefully to ensure that your answer is complete and accurate. Within 30 days of receipt, return the completed questionnaire using the enclosed, pre-addressed, postage-paid envelope. Please note that receipt of this letter and completion of the questionnaire does not mean that you have actually been chosen to serve on a jury, no! Your eligibility to serve as a juror will be determined based on the answers you have provided to the questions in the questionnaire. Eligible individuals will be randomly summoned for jury duty throughout the next year and may be chosen to serve as jurors at that time. In conclusion, I want to stress that the jury system is one of the most important elements of our justice system. Jurors are responsible for determining with the guidance of a judge questions of fact in either civil or criminal court proceedings. As coroner's inquests, jurors are responsible for inquiring into the death and delivering a verdict. Service as a juror is one of the most valuable contributions that members of our society can make. Thank you! Thank you!
Oh, thank you for contributing your time to this important endeavor. Yours truly, Deputy Attorney General. Deputy Attorney General. Hung Jury was written, produced, and performed for Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, by Jay Ramcharan. The entire production was under the supervision of Jonathan Ramcharan. She's making me feel like I've never been born when I was a boy. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on the September 11th in the year of our Lord, 2018. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoes shined up, boy. I'm going to run you ragged, boy. I'm going to make you work for it. I'm going to make you sweat it out, boy. You're in for one hell of a podcast, boy. And girl. And cisgendered, multi-gendered, multi-denominational person. Multi-transfigural. Multi-dimensional. Non-denominational. Entity. I'm going to make you work for it. Mmm. I'm going to make you work for it, boy. Boy. <laughs> what? I don't know what the fuck I'm making. What? I don't even know. Hey, how about this? What in the fuck is with people not understanding city living? City living. When you live in the city, you got to understand city living. I'm looking out the window. There's this godforsaken mother walking down the street with her little fucking humanoid little transgendered little child. I don't know what it is. It has like a red fisherman hat on, multicolored polka dot jacket, corduroy pants, and rain boots. I mean, as a sexual predator, I would like to know what I'm abducting. How am I supposed to know what I'm kidnapping when you dress it like that? Kidding. My point being, though, the child, um, unscolded by his parent, or her parent, or whatever the thing is, the little humanoid, it's all hands and grabs, right? It's... It, it, it's got its hands all over a fire hydrant, and then, and then, then it has its hands all over a, a, a lamp post, a street lamp post, and then all over a telephone pole. It's like, yo, that's where dogs pee and poo-poo. Boo-boo, dum-dum, dummy, you fucking dum-dum, you fucking, what do they call that shit? You, you fucking bonehead, you fucking, you fucking dingbat. Like, what are you fucking doing? I've lit, there's a fucking shaggy dog, a little sheep dog, a real cute little dog too, I like this thing, you know those sheep dogs, you remember Al Pacino in Serpico, he had a sheep dog, 
Cause she's got a great ass. And your head's all the way up it. I'm too fucking old, too fucking blind. If I was 10 years younger, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Who the hell, who the hell you? I got the fucking hiccups. Who the fucking hell you think you're talking to? So goddamn man, I got the fucking hiccups. Ah, too fucking old, too fucking blind. You know what your problem is? You don't got the guts to be who you want to be. You want to point your fucking fingers and say, there goes the bad guy. Does that make you good? You're not good. You just know how to lie. How to hide. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. Shameful fucking, I got the fucking nerve to me making fun of transgendered fucking abducted children. Like, look at these fucking impersonations. They're god awful. Somebody abduct me. <clears throat> Freedom of speech. Get off my fucking back. Anyway, um, before I take a kneel, before I kneel down on this podcast, get off my fucking back. I'll get on one knee here and sing a fucking prayer to the United States of America, even though I'm not even a resident. That'll scare you. They'll send you to the hills. Oh my god. Then maybe I'll get a fucking sponsor or something. I could use some fucking sponsors on this podcast. Poor me. Wah, wah, wah. Anyways, um, well, yeah, the sheepdog from Serpico. My neighbor's got one, right? And uh, this thing pisses all over this fucking lamppost. That little fucking cisgendered chitlin. He's he, she, whatever. It's putting his little paws, his mangy little fucking grubby hands all over this goddamn fucking street lamp. And I'm looking at the mother. I'm thinking, for crying out loud. Have you never seen a fucking street pole in downtown Toronto, in downtown Metropolis, in downtown big city? That's a goddamn sign of the devil, the mark of the devil. Goddamn fucking piss-stained fucking lampposts and shit. I'm beside myself, you know? Just disgusting. I'm, 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 that's one of the fucking hallmarks of my uh, stand-up comedy career. Is that like I'm not always funny. <laughs> I'm barely making any money at it. Actually, I'm making no money at it. If you really want to know, somebody help me. Throw me a goddamn bone here, for God's sakes. We're crying out loud. But um, you know, I'm just doing it for the love, doing it for the fucking spite, <laughs> the the recovering alcoholic spite of one that won't go down dead. You know, still fucking. I'm going down with the ship, baby. Uh, you know, real G's never die. They just multiply. What's that fucking, you know? I think there's a song like that, right? Real G's never die. They just multiply. I don't fucking know. But anyways, I'm going down with the ship. You never take me alive. But, um... You know, I've become everything a comedian is other than funny and successful. I'm, like, fucking temperamental. I'm fucking weird. I don't like people. Like I, like, I never was like this before. After 10 years of fucking busting my hump, trying to get some goddamn laughs, trying to fucking make a living on stage, I've become everything other than funny or fucking successful. I'm fucking cantankerous. I wall myself up alone in my apartment. I don't like talking to people. They creep me out. I'm a germaphobe, you know? Like, I'm always washing things. I'm always washing my hands and shit. And, like, seeing that little fucking rug rat put his little goddamn paws all over that fucking lamppost... Sickening. It's fucking nauseating. Like, don't you live in... You live in a fucking metropolis. 
for, for crying out loud. I've seen dogs literally cop, like literally squat and shit on that fucking lamppost. And the kid's like, ooh, goo goo, caca, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. And the mom's just like, oh, go out and have an adventure, Avery. Go out and have an adventure, Scottsdale, or whatever the fuck the kid's name is, right? Fucking Bowman, or some dumbass fucking name like that. And Bowman, or Bovine, or Sable, or Archery, or fucking Nantucket. He's putting his fucking hands all over this fucking dirty lamppost. I'm just staring at this fucking disgusting sight from my fucking lair. High up, high up in my lair. I'm staring out the window looking at this. I'm literally looking at where the child just was, and there's a new... The, the kid's gone now, and there's a dog literally taking a shit in the exact spot where that fucking dumbass child was romping around less than five minutes ago. It is a cesspool for canine... incubation. Ugh. Ugh. And on that note, the rest of the fucking podcast is... Downhill. I got no inspiration. <laughs> Feeling just lazy, low down, shiftless, rotten, good for nothing, and grateful, intolerant, you know, just, you know, I was coming out of this real um, funk that I was in. If you're new to my podcast, I'm Jonathan James Ramtram, comedian, stand-up comic, actor, uh, temporary laborer, alcoholic. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, I wear a lot of hats. I'm one year and ten months sober. I'm doing a podcast. Uh, I'm doing stand-up. I'm trying to get work as an actor. I'm working temporary labor. Working on construction sites. Furniture moving. Assembling furniture. Landscaping. You know, busting my hump. Jack of all trades. Random factotum bullshit. Charles Bukowski shit. You know, moving shit around for a fucking nickel a fucking day or whatever, right? Just busting my hump for the Lord's work, right? And just been feeling kind of up and down, you know? A real duality. Because on one hand, I'm so grateful to be sober, back at life, with a lot of opportunity ahead of me. I got a lot of experience. I got a lot of passion. I got a lot of drive. And now I'm just trying to channel that into what I do, you know? I've been a stand-up comedian for uh, coming up 10 years in December, um, even longer than that, if I really want to get, uh, I really consider my beginning of stand-up comedy is when I started doing it consistently. And that was like, you know, coming up 10 years ago, even though I started technically in like 2006, but whatever. Uh, I'm an actor. I've been doing that for a while. I got a diploma in theater arts. Not that anybody gives a fuck. Well, I care. What am I being so negative for? Some people are just beside themselves. Oh my God. I always wanted to be an actor. What was it like going to theater school? Well, it was $10,000 and a lot of heartache and pain, son. But, uh, you know, anyways, did that. Um, And yeah, I'm just kicking around, trying to make a go of it. And I got this, like, dual duality thing where it's like I get grateful for where I am in life, you know, and I have a lot of good days and good times. Then I got this other place where I go in my head where I'm just like, oh, fuck, man. Like, what have I done? Holy shit, did I really fuck up that badly? Like, you know, I, you know. 
what it looks like as, as myself these days. Um, I literally work temporary labor and I do podcasts. And it's tough because um, that's basically what I do with my time. I just work, 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 work. And um, I guess the ingratitude is I want things to be going faster than they are. I want to be getting further ahead in my career and in my life and in my personal life. But man, I got to step back and take it one day at a time and just realize I am where I am and calm down, you know? And look for signs, right? Like there's a lot of signs in the universe if you really look for them. Like a bird shit on me last week, right? And I'm like, wow. Like it really lifted my spirit because like apparently that's like an old Indian saying like, Chief, mm, Chief Sitting Bull say, when bird shit in sky and fall on head of wokum suckum, that mean good harvest coming soon. Mm. I think Chief Sitting, Sitting Bull said that at the Battle of Gettysburg, you know? When bird shit on you, you, the sun smiles upon you. That's an old Ojibwe saying. Mm. I don't fucking know. Something like that. When a bird shits on you, that means you're going to find a pot of gold or some shit. It's the end of a rainbow. I don't know. And then, like, um, fucking, what else happened? Yeah, then I started playing with a squirrel. It was a really good day. A bird shit on me. I'm like, oh, that's okay, right? Good luck, I think. And I wiped it off. And then I saw this beautiful little squirrel. That's the sound of a squirrel. They sound like, um, you know, like a disgruntled old man, you know, screaming for a bus. Wait. I want to wait. An old man waiting for a bus, and the bus is, like, taking off. I'm old. Wait. Anyways, that's what a squirrel sounds like to me. I got yelled at by a squirrel once when I was drunk, back in my drinking days. I was high as a fucking kite, and I was drinking under a tree. Then all of a sudden, I heard... What the fuck is that, right? And I look up, and there was a squirrel looking down at me from the top of a tree, right? He's like, he's like screaming at me for some fucking reason, right? I'm like, you fucking pipe down, you little fucking you little rodent. What the fuck you, you? Shut up. You know, I was real temperamental. Took it real offensively. Like, I'm like, yo, I, I live here too, you know? It's my neighborhood. What kind of bullshit is this? Getting screamed at by squirrels. But anyways, the squirrel that I met the other day when a bird shit on me, it was a blessing. He was real cute and shit, right? And... Generally speaking, as a, as, a, as a rule of thumb, I carry like a handful of peanuts, peanuts in my backpack, right? That way I can feed the squirrels. I love squirrels. I love peanuts. So it just so happened I had a, you know, a little handful of peanuts on me, right? I'm like, oh, let me see what I can do here. So I'm like, hey, you know, let me, you, like, you like peanuts, don't you? He's like, eh. He's like, yeah, I know you like peanuts. I like peanuts too. Well, why don't you come over here and have a couple peanuts? He's like, eh. So the little, little squirrel comes over and he's having a couple peanuts and he's poking around looking at me and shit. So I snapped a couple pics, right? I got a couple pictures of uh, these, like, uh, you know, this little squirrel. Gorgeous little creature, right? I love them. They inspire me, man. You ever see a squirrel running across a telephone pole in the middle of winter? That's dedication. That's hard work, man. That's some get up and go at them. That's that fucking vibe that you need to survive. Survival of the fittest. You ever look at a squirrel's hands? Nothing but sinew and bone. They work day and night, hiding peanuts, looking for peanuts, hunting for peanuts. Then they chase each other around. That's the only joy in their day. Whenever you see a squirrel chasing another squirrel, they actually enjoy that. That's like play for them, you know? That's, like, that's their idea of like watching Netflix. And they chase each other around, you know? God bless the squirrel. I love him. 
So as you can tell, man, I'm just grasping at straws, trying to take inspiration wherever I can. It's been a hard fucking couple of months for me, man. Just like, like I said, um, transition period, trying to get shit going with the career. I quit doing stand-up comedy, right? Like, uh, not comedy, uh, open mics. Quit doing stand-up open mics, right? They just weren't doing it for me, right? <clears throat> I was in this place where um, they were just repetitive and redundant. I was just going to the same stupid open mics. Um, and, you know, God bless the creative soul, but there's just too many fucking comedians these days. And, uh, you know, everybody's desperate for stage time and nobody really wants to connect authentically. It's all about getting ahead and climbing a ladder. So it becomes kind of... Um, for a man like myself, who's, um, you know, been through a lot, you know, I already did comedy boot camp. I did comedy 101, banging it out at those fucking open mics, doing all that shit. Um, I've been there, done that. So it's like, while I'm humble and happy to do it, go back to the open mic circuit, um, you know, sometimes I, I got to remember that, um, Well, I have experience and I shouldn't let, the, I should be humble to be where I am and take it as a learning opportunity. But also sometimes it's time to move on, right? So like I said, I was doing these open mics, getting real discontent with them. So I said, fuck it, I got to start producing my own shows. So um, I stopped going to open mics. Oh, and that's a cagey place to be as a comic. When you're not getting on stage and your heart's still in comedy... Oh, so I've, if, if you can imagine, right, like I'm just feeling real backed up, you know, just real tense and aggravated and, you know, doing everything I can to keep my mind pleasant and productive. So, you know, that's where I am. I'm, I'm in this dual place, this duality place of um, gratitude and ingratitude, you know, and I, so, but, um, I'm so glad that I have recovery and I have, um, meetings to go to where I can talk with other people who've been through similar situations. Cause, you know, this morning, uh, I woke up and, um, you know, I figured it would be a pretty good day. Like I said, all the good luck omens use condoms. I don't even know if I mentioned that this is like my seventh 10th attempt at trying to record the fucking podcast today because my brain's everywhere. I don't even know if I mentioned the good omen of, um, uh, I, I, I stepped on a fucking used condom. I almost did, right? Thank God I missed it at the last second. But there was this fucking flopped out fucking used condom on the side of the road this morning as I was walking down the street. And I'm like, oh, that's a good sign, right? You know, the bird shit on me and now I see a fucking used condom. These are all good signs, right? So, um... I'm just trying to follow that wave of uh, positivity. And, um, you know, I went to my re my recovery meeting this morning and uh, this afternoon, really. And, you know, I wasn't too plussed to be there. You know, they've been getting kind of redundant and repetitive. and uh, But it turned out to be exactly what I needed to hear. I heard some people talking about some things that um, I've been dealing with. And the thing about... Um, the whole weed explosion that's been going on in the world lately. You know, marijuana has, has, has come around as a legal drug, more or less. 
an accepted uh, an accepted uh, substance, you know, in our society, a legal substance. So, you know, it was kind of in my head recently too, as I've been feeling all these feelings of um, ingratitude and impatience and intolerance and just kind of scatterbrained. I'm like, well, what if I smoked weed? Like, what if? Like, I, and I know that that's a bad sign. It's like, what am I thinking that shit for? Like, for for the type of alcoholic I am, it's impossible. Like, when I was out there drinking and smoking, like, I, I drank and I chain-smoked cigarettes and I smoked weed, all in combination. So, like, the idea of me smoking marijuana, like, it could never even happen. Because it would only be a matter of time before that high would bore me and I want to go back to alcohol. Like, alcohol is my choice substance and anything that alters my mind would eventually lead me back to alcohol that's for certain i can't i have to be sober clean and sober so you know somebody was talking about that in the meeting they're like you know uh, he was visiting from vancouver this alcoholic and he had mentioned that you know a lot of people now with the whole legalization of marijuana it's really it's really kind of um, tempting people, right? I've been hearing about it in rooms lately. And it even crossed my mind. So I was glad to catch the meeting for that just to reinforce my sobriety and what I need to stay functioning, which is sobriety. I need it. And um, I also heard a lady talk about... Um, how our condition, it's medically diagnosed as a disease. I don't like to call it a disease because um, it can be managed through um, the work I do in recovery. I do work to maintain my sobriety. It's a condition that I have that if I don't work on, I can easily fall back into that trap. So um, I do a lot of work to stay sober and... Um, I call it a condition because I don't like the hopeless feeling of a disease, even though a lot of people would medically validate what I'm saying. Alcoholism is a disease, and it afflicts people of any creed, any color, any sexuality, gender, etc., etc. Even that little cisgendered child who was playing in dog shit today, you know, that thing might even grow up to be a fucking alcoholic. It affects everybody, right? So... This lady in my meeting today, she was talking about, um, she was talking about that. She was talking about how when you're feeling low or whatever, your condition can be, your disease can be waiting for you, you know? And that's kind of what I think is like uh, going on with me in terms of the thoughts of marijuana. I mean, like it's a fucking pipe dream. Me and any mood altering substance don't mix. That would never work. But then I start having these creeping thoughts. They're not real. I'm fairly strong in my sobriety. I, I do service. I get to meetings. I'm one year and 10 months sober. I'm healthy. I work out. But the thing is, like I said, I have to maintain this. This is a condition that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. This is not like a one and done. Oh, brush my hands of this. That was fun being an alcoholic. Now onto something new. Like, no, like once you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic for life. 
and you got to maintain it. So, but the thing is, you get so much reward, and the reason why you maintain it is because it's valuable. Your your sobriety can become so valuable. My sobriety is like the most valuable thing to me right now, and I I, I put it above everything. It's it means more to me than my career. It means more to me than it's the most important thing in my life. My sobriety, because I can't be anything else without it. So, and it's also my higher power. It's my uh, it's my connection with my higher power. To be sober and listening to my higher power. So, and. Uh, just trying to remember that, you know. And you know, I, I know I came out there guns a blazing, scatterbrained, just saying shit. You know, I was just letting it rip. You know, some days you don't even know who you are, and, you know, and then you just let your mouth run, and you're like, "Who is that? What? What am I babbling about?" You know, I'm saying all this shit about fucking transgendered kids. I don't fucking have any opinion. I don't care. Raise it as a girl, or raise it as a boy, whatever. God bless you. What do I care? <laughs> whatever that thing is it definitely got love uh, that little child I was talking about earlier there stepping in dog shit that parent was awesome you know like she was kind of like scatterbrained it's like yo you're letting your kid romp around in fucking dog fecal matter fecal matter but um aside from that she was letting the child explore and she looked very patient and understanding she looked like a good mother kind of fucking daft though i mean letting the kid ruminate in fucking filth but uh real new agey and uh understanding loving type of parent so uh hmm. oh, there's another dog pissing <laughs> in the same spot that fucking kid was playing people are so stupid sometimes if you live in a big city don't go play in sewers gutters street corners fucking lamp posts if you smell the pungent stench of urine on a fucking lamppost, chances are somebody pissed there. So um, you might want to go find a, you know, playground, an Xbox to play on, you know, something fucking common sense. Let's go play in the gutter. Oh my god. So, um, you know, I kind of like these. This is a different type of feel to this podcast. I'm just letting it rip, you know, being as truthful as I can, just, you know, ups and downs, smiles and frowns. And I got so much to be grateful too, even though I sound kind of um, unconvinced. I have so much to be grateful too, grateful for too. Um, like I mentioned, I'm a temporary laborer. I work a lot of temporary labor jobs and they're great for the performer they're great for the person trying to um, work for themselves, more or less, because the upside is you get a lot of free time. You get a lot of flexibility when you work temporary labor. You can kind of set up your own schedule, pick and choose when you work. Well, one of the blessings lately that's come my way is um, a new job. Yeah, I'm taking the plunge. Um, the temporary labor thing has been fun. It's very inconsistent. It's very... Um, there's a lot of bullshit I got to deal with to be a temporary laborer. I'm always going from job site to job site. I'm working with a lot of... Um, 
I mean, not to um, classify all temporary laborers as one thing, but, um, you know, there's a lot of different personalities in temporary labor. You got people that, like I said, they're trying to work for themselves. They're trying to have a flexible schedule. They're trying to supplement their income. They're in between jobs, yada, yada, yada. There's, there's that sense of, you know, normalcy to a temporary laborer. There's also the side of mental illness, drug addiction, alcoholism, um, homelessness, marginalization. There's all these different factors that come into play with, with temporary laborers as well, temporary workers. So like, you know, I was getting sent out to work with a lot of fucking oddball people. I'm sorry, you know, like cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like I, it was getting fucking dour, man. Like it's, uh, for God's sakes, like they're sending me to go work at One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, like sending me off with people that are like, <laughs> like twi- tweaking out and fucking going on alcoholic laden fits fits of fucking drug uh, addled fucking blatherings and like sending me to work with a lot of you know rough and tumble types and it can really dog on you day after day right so and also the work's inconsistent as I'm trying to uh, go out and produce my own shows as of late um I need money to do that and I'm willing to put my own money up but I also need um you know, more income, obviously, right? I got to work more. So the temporary labor job was, um, you know, it was just kind of, um, I don't know, it was just meeting my needs, but not really taking me above. So with this new job that I got, um, hopefully that'll help, you know? That's the that's the whole idea to, um, I'll have more funding, I'll be able to work in a young, cool environment, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a, it's like an iconic uh, fashion brand that I'm going to be working for. And uh, don't want to talk too much about it other than that. It's like an iconic kind of fashion company that I'm going to be working for, doing some, you know, uh, inventory management specialist uh, type shit. And uh, yeah, it's going to help me get to the next place with my performing because like I said, I need to be able to rent venues to perform in or something i don't fucking know what else am i supposed to do too fucking old too fucking blind i've got to do something so uh yeah that's gonna be real cool and uh feeling fortunate in that um and um i don't know I guess it's I guess it's good to be fortunate. I keep saying fortunate, fortunate. I keep blathering on. I keep trying to sell my own self on this idea. But I mean, when you read things in the paper like this, officer charged in neighborhood death, Dallas police woman to face grand jury in fatal shooting of a black man in his own home. The Dallas Morning News reported that Geiger Amber Geiger had just ended a 15-hour shift when she returned in uniform to the Southside Flats apartment complex where both she and Jean lived. She parked on the fourth floor instead of the third floor where she lived, possibly suggesting that she was confused or disorientated. When she put her key in the unlocked apartment door, it opened. Inside, the lights were off. 
Then she saw a figure in the darkness, according to the official who was not authorized to discuss this case publicly. The officer allegedly concluded that her apartment was being burglarized, drew her weapon, and fired twice. When she turned on the lights, she realized she was in the wrong unit, the newspaper reported. So a policewoman in Dallas, Texas, Amber Geiger, shot and killed um, a young black man, 26-year-old uh, Botham Jean. Botham Jean, Botham Jean. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Young black man. And uh, it's that type of shit that really makes me think about the fortune and gratitude that I have in my life today. Or rather, the fortune that I have and the gratitude I should have. We live in a fucked up world where stupid things happen for no fucking reason. Some dissent disorientated policewoman, a trained policewoman, a trained police officer with a gun, somebody who is proficient and allegedly proficient and trained in the use of firearms, bumbles home in the early dawn of whatever in some disorientated state, like a fucking moron, goes to the wrong apartment, enters, notices some movement, pulls out a gun and shoots without investigating. Like, does that not sound like what it is complete stupidity and as a black man of course I'm fucking taken back by that as nonsense and then I also read about some fucking protests going on in Moscow over a thousand people arrested for protesting the government pretty vague what does that even mean you got arrested for protesting the government you got natural disasters you got poverty worldwide. People can't even eat. People can't even go out and live in a stable environment around the world without fear of war or hunger. And I'm just being broad because it's everywhere. That's how fucking commonplace strife is in the world. It's just commonplace. I don't need to pinpoint any particular location. So I'm just feeling grateful that I got a program that keeps me sober, sane, and focused on my goals. I'm just going to keep at it. Pitter-patter, get at her. Get some goddamn comedy shows booked so I can stop being so fucking weird on these podcasts. Have some focus and drive. Working hard at my, working hard at my filmmaking. I'm studying, learning how to produce and direct and write my own projects. Working hard at that. Reading about that. Learning about the technology. Trying to take that into my own hands. And I'm going forward to be a good person of service. And I'm going to try to uh, just have more gratitude and understanding that life is fragile. Things can happen at any time. And I've got a gift of sobriety today. and I'm just going to run with it. Thanks for listening. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtrang. On his moral high horse on this September 11th, 2018. Sometimes I just got to speak from the heart because, you know what, as a recovering alcoholic, there's not a lot of things going on in my life all the time. I got to fucking get up and put my pants on one leg at a time, put one foot in front of the other, get out there, maintain my sobriety, beg for stage time, beg for a little bit of kick at the can, get out there and earn a living like any other motherfucker that lived. So I'm just going to go forward and be thankful, be strong, be healthy, be sober. 
Job bless, God bless. Talk to you next time. Live it, love it, realize it. Peace.